0: You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt
1: and Adam. Oh, it looks like it's that time again, Matt. The (laughs) Ravens are here with their uh, food, which happens to be the Word of God. All right. We have a live studio audience today. We have a few people in the audience, so it's a little campier than usual. But let's get into it, Matt. Yeah, let's do your your song, your song. Yeah, we're going to do the Old Testament.
0: testament reading is genesis chapter 34 through chapter 37 and we are on days 17 through 18 wow all right so we last left off with uh jacob diverting from esau and going to a the city or the area of shechem
1: yeah something horrible happens in shechem um, in fact the bible says And all everybody in the clan knew this is a uh, this is a horrible thing in Israel. Mm -hmm. This is not a normal thing in Israel, which kind of it definitely implies it's a normal thing outside of Israel. Yes, which is the rape
0: of women. Right, which kind of we understand that from Abraham and Isaac. That was a fear that they had whenever they went into a new land, and now we have this with Jacob's daughter Dinah. Yes. The prince of the land of Shechem, Caesar, and is like, and takes her. Seizes her? Or his name is Caesar? No, he sees her. Oh,
1: sees her. I thought he called him Caesar. Her. I'm like, I'm pretty sure his name is Hamar. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a classic story uh, of what's going on outside of the promise, mm-hmm. the people of promise, which is... Um, no other ancient story records the birth of women or the death of women. And that we can be assured that our God loves women Mm -hmm. and has promised the seed, the hope through a woman. And, um, and that's why the ages of the matriarchs are recorded and these stories are recorded. So Dinah, although she's not going to receive the inheritance, which is like unfair in our culture, um, we have to realize that in this cultural context, she's highly valued. And so when, the prince of Shechem sees her, mm-hmm. doesn't, um, he seizes her, because it's not only a power move, they recognize, man, um, she's connected to a group of people that are just as big, and potentially uh, could take our stuff, but um, in this case, it's recorded that he just likes her, mm-hmm. and he wants her, and I actually heard on, um, I was listening to the radio, this is from Real Story, where they're talking about laws and things in certain parts of the of the world mm-hmm. where um, how to deal with victims of sexual crime right because i heard this on the radio just last week the lady was saying in these some of these cultures a way to cover up or to re- recover would be to marry yes the, the victim. victim like the the guy who did it would then marry the victim mhm and I heard that on the radio, and then I read this, and I was like, oh, that's what he's doing. Right. So he rapes Dinah and then says, oh, I really want her and marry her. And then his dad says, let's make a deal with Jacob. Um, the problem is all her brothers, the at this point 11, 11 boys, yeah, are mad. Yeah. And they are so mad. Um, that they say, okay, yeah, we'll make a deal. Mm-hmm. And they use the sign of circumcision. They say, look, we'll combine with you, and you can marry her if you all get circumcised. Right. And so, um, here, let me just finish the story then, and then you can tell me why this is not good. Because <laughs> it sounds good in our own strength. They circumcised the whole village, you know, and then the next day, is it even been? D- it's day three. Day three, all the dudes are sitting around recovering from this kind of, you know, intense surgery with uh, a flint or a a rock or something yeah and you got the boys uh who leads it which boys it's it's
0: simeon and levi it's uh it's actually dinah's direct brothers dinah's direct brothers yeah they're all from leah
1: and they kill everybody in Mm Shechem.
0: they kill the whole thing they kill all the men and then they steal all the women children and flocks right so
1: Boom. So they're thinking, great victory. Jacob is completely upset because he's like, now we have a huge target on our back. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks we're raiders and we're going to destroy them. That was bad. But something even worse happens. They defile a holy institution of circumcision. They take something God has given to set them apart as people of promise Yeah. and they- turn it into a secular uh, device of conquering.
0: Yeah, so they... This will set up Simeon and Levi at the end of Jacob's life. He will actually put a curse upon their lines and upon the tribes of Simeon and Levi for this. And it seems kind of harsh, but they are using a sign of the promise and turning it into a curse. And that's something God never intended that for.
1: And it's, it's something that Jesus turns over the tables in the temple for. When you're using a place where God promises to meet you for wealth or for personal for manipulation. gain manipulation of people, uh, God has zeal for that. And mm-hmm. He does not take kindly to that because um, we already live in a messed up world. And when you start confusing, or it's even what we're reading in the New Testament, when you start calling the works of God, saying it's from the devil, uh, now we're in unforgivable sin territory.
0: Right. You can't do that. So that was... We have that horrible event in chapter yeah, 34.
1: That was not pleasant at all.
0: <laughs> and then we uh, move on to chapter 35, and God shows up to Jacob again and says, go back to Bethel, go back to the place where I met you. And he, he again, he says, like, who he is and where he's met Jacob, um, which is what God seems to consistently do. Right. And as a reminder... And,
1: yeah, this is officially where he renames them, right?
0: Right, uh, yes. So nice. I like Jacob's response, though. He hears God tell him this, and then he goes to his family and says, all right, grab all your idols, grab all your foreign gods, and we are going to bury them under this tree.
1: Put away your idols, bury them under, under a tree, purify yourselves, and change your
0: garments, mm-hmm.
1: which made me think of like, it's like baptism. It's like, yeah. put away this. Here's our new beginning is without idolatry. Bury them.
0: Yeah, it's cool because um, the, the things he lists here are precursors to the Levitical law. Yeah. And it's interesting that even this early, before the law is given or written down, they have an idea of what to do already. Right. Like it's ingrained in them that they know the steps to take to be pure and holy before God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He makes an altar as a result of this, which Mm -hmm. is what always happens when you meet God. You create an altar. So um, he moves on and he prays. He says, the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever uh, I go, I have gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's heading out with the promise of God. He's starting to go back. And he needs the promise of God to be there because all the surrounding nations now are mad at Jacob and his boys.
0: Yeah, for what they did to Shechem, and God, it actually says, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So God is protecting them, he's being merciful to them from the vengeance of other cities.
1: So we've seen Jacob be called out of Laban, from Laban, Mm -hmm. that was scary, then go through Esau, Mm -hmm. that was scary, but he's made it, and now he's becoming more and more the kind of uh, guy who's going to call upon God and see God protect him even from his enemies when he knows he's made mistakes. Again, just reinforcing that God cares about his promise more than we do. Mm-hmm. Like He works through us and with us despite us, and that's why it's always by faith. Right. And so uh, he gets back to Bethel, or El, he names it El Bethel, mm-hmm.
0: which means... Uh, God of the house of God.
1: God of the house of God. He gets renamed Israel, which is a rename. There's like a recreation where God says, I am the God Almighty. He even says to him, be fruitful and multiply. Um, I'll give you offspring. I'll give you land. I'll give you blessing. Mm -hmm. And Jacob worships God. And this is where I feel like this is chapter 35, where Jacob really is settling into being a person of the promise and actually worshiping. Mm -hmm. All the idols are gone. All the striving, all the fear. And this is where Jacob's storyline kind of settles down. He almost becomes a lot more inactive. He's just kind of settled into God's promises. He's a worshiper of this God, and he's in the promised land now.
0: hmm Yeah. And then as they are, um, because they're still uh, wanderers, they're still wandering mm-hmm. throughout the land, so they're traveling away from Bethel, going towards Bethlehem, of all places, and on the way there, uh, yeah. his um, favorite wife, Rachel, ends up uh, dying while giving birth to his last son, how Benjamin. How often do you
1: say your favorite wife?
0: Favorite wife. It's crazy.
1: His favorite wife mm-hmm. finally gives birth to her second child after mm-hmm. twenty year, after 25, 30 years, who knows how long. Mm-hmm. Um, she gives birth. And it's like, we've seen this theme when God names you and he gives you his promise and you kind of settle into that immediately it's followed by testing. Right. Only this time the testing and the sadness comes in the form of death. His favorite wife dies while she's giving birth.
0: She groans and dies and she calls this baby Ben Oni, which is means son of my sorrow Ah. or son of my suffering. And, uh, I think Jacob, now being renamed, has enough in him to rename him Benjamin to say he's son of my strength or son of my right hand. Right hand
1: is what I... Yeah. He's the son of my right hand. So at the end of all, he's got 12 boys now, Mm -hmm. four different women, Mm -hmm. but it's the last two who are born that are the ones he really loves. Right. Joseph and Benjamin, because they come from Rachel, his first choice. He worked seven years for Rachel, got tricked into Leah, and then got convinced to have babies with their concubines which again was kind of or not concubines but nurses yeah, right which was kind of normal a way to solve your own problems back in the day but now he's grieving the loss of Rachel and then
0: yeah and then <laughs> after this we have this quick recording of oh, Reuben yeah Reuben goes and uh lays with Bilhah, his father's concubine which was rachel's handmaiden and i i kind of see this as like a power play i also see it as reuben getting back at rachel yeah now that she's dead like she stole the mandrakes from him as a boy and and she's caused his mom leah a lot of pain and suffering and i see this as kind of like a quick power play and now this will also play into uh, a curse on Reuben's line uh, later on as well. So we see the first three children of Leah, uh, Reuben, Simeon, and Levi, all kind of doing some messed up things, trying to take power in their own hands, and it will affect them later.
1: Yeah. I mean, you think about uh, if you have a memory of when you were wronged as a child, or and Reuben lives with the fact that his name is... I've had a son now. My husband will love me. Yeah, he's had to live through hearing his mom Leah be the second wife, the mm-hmm. unloved wife, the one that, and then even his uh, dad having this late child with Rachel. It's all a threat to Reuben and his inheritance. And mm. so I see, you know, I see it as like you do uh, a power play. So Reuben tries to take power. And send a message. But all he really does is commit incest and loses his birthright. Right. Pretty dumb there, Ruben. Uh,
0: Yeah. And then we uh, find out that Isaac has been alive this whole time. Yeah. Uh, Which Isaac was pretty much ready to die when he sent Jacob away. And it's been like some like 20, at least 20 years later. And now he's finally at 180 years old. Is finally finally dies and passes, and Esau and Jacob uh, bury him. And it sounds like he gets buried with um, Abraham yeah. and his and Sarah. Macpella. They mm-hmm. go back
1: to the cave. Remember, they bought the cave uh, from the Hiv- Hivites or Hittites.
0: That
1: um, doesn't matter. It doesn't it's Macpella. And they're, so they're buried in the promise, in the yeah. promised land, and that's where they find their rest. So Isaac now has passed away. Jacob is sad. Um, and now it seems like a good time for, it, we believe Moses is compiling these, mm-hmm. these stories and giving them to us. And he then breaks into Esau and his descendants. And so this is chapter 36. And the, the deal with any kind of genealogy is um, it's recording. It's not just giving you an idea of where things where things shook out genealogically. It's also telling you of the blessing of this people. Yeah, and so Esau really receives a blessing by being born um, to Isaac. Mm-hmm. They're still blessing. Remember, they also recorded Ishmael's mm-hmm. descendants. Now you'll see Esau turns into the nation of Edom, and Edom rejects for the and becomes. I think there's even a prophet, one of the small smaller books like Joel or something, yeah. where he's telling Edom to stop attacking Israel. So there's a classic brother relationship here of one the enmity and one the promise, but. God, the message is God loves yeah the and, world.
0: And I, I see it as part of a fulfillment of the promise God originally made to Abraham that I will make you a great uh, nation and like your children will be as many as the stars. And we're seeing mm-hmm. uh, offshoots of Abraham's line becoming great nations, uh, whether they're carrying the promise of God or not they end up becoming great nations. Right.
1: And some notable na- name that jumped out to me in the genealogy was Amalek. Yeah, Amalek I saw that too. Is, uh, becomes an enemy. Um, and then there's Edom fighting Moab.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you
1: remember, Moab is from the incestuous relationship with Lot and one of his daughters. Right. And so already, though, you're seeing the web of civilization being kind of created through Abraham. From Abraham, you start to have Moabites and you have Edomites and you have ishmaelites and you and have
0: midianites, midianites. Yeah.
1: yeah and so you're starting to see how uh, god has been keeping his promise only three isaac and jacob later yeah. you know what yeah. i mean like it's it hasn't it's been it's only
0: been three generations right. which i mean still kind of a long time it's long because when you they're live 180 yeah yeah all right so we're moving on now into uh jacob's the generations of jacob which really we kind of just start at joseph and uh, the rest of Jacob's sons, but we have uh, Joseph, which is the firstborn of Rachel. Yes. And so there is definite favoritism being played out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he n- makes J- uh, Joseph a special coat, kind of setting him apart from the rest of his sons.
1: And did you read
0: um, about
1: back in those days? They were saying men would do the weaving.
0: Yeah. So like just or Jacob. Made it. So the idea is
1: that the belief is that Jacob actually sat down and weaved this special coat for his favorite wife's firstborn son. Mm -hmm. But he literally has 10 boys before Joseph. The blessing should go to the older. But remember, the promise was to even um, Isaac and and Rebecca.
0: Oh yeah, that the, the younger we will, we'll, well, the well the older, older will serve, serve the younger. younger.
1: And so there is this like Jacob is like, this is my favorite. this is my real family. Yeah. And then to compound that, you have Joseph being 17, which I found the age 17 as a parent, to be the age where uh, people know everything. They are supreme in their knowledge. And so you got the 17 year old uh, Joseph telling on his brothers, he reports bad behavior. Right. The brothers are already mad. They're already in a bad place because they're like, they're not from Rachel. Right. Like, we know you're favorite. We know my moms have been mistreated. We know we're probably not getting the blessing. We can't stand you. Right. And then Jacob sounds kind of clueless. Oh. Uh -oh. Jacob, though, sounds kind of clueless in the sense that he's like, go check on your brothers.
0: Oh, well, first, Joseph has a bunch of dreams. So there's a bunch of dreams that Joseph has. Um, earlier in chapter 37 which again is which is again in the line of his dad his dad god met with jacob in dreams so now we're seeing this play out again as a kind of generational thing and a sign of god's maybe favor on joseph yeah and joseph having these dreams of uh his brothers and his his parents bowing down to him and jacob even gets to a point where he's like, okay, Joseph, maybe you don't share this stuff. But he still, there's a line that he says uh, his father kept, kept these sayings, these dreams in mind. Right. So he is kind of holding on to them.
1: Yeah, so Joseph, and he tells them, you guys are all, you know, my dream is you bow down to me. Yeah. I, did, I was thinking when it said uh, Jacob kept these things, his father kept the sayings in his mind. Reminds me of Mary treasuring all these things when Jesus was little. Mm-hmm. She treasured these things in her mind or her heart. Um, so they now they, they really hate Joseph. Yeah. And then Jacob's like, hey, I, I like this part. I never thought of it. He, Jacob sends Joseph to go check on his brothers. Right. Which already is like a totally annoying thing. If you're one of the other boys, you're like, why isn't brother Joseph here with us? Right. Because he's babied. He's loved more. He doesn't have to do the manual labor. And then Jacob's like, Joseph, go check on your brothers.
0: Right. Almost like a manager style. Yeah. Like he is already in line to be
1: manager, and they know they're in line to be the workers.
0: Mm-hmm. And they're like full grown adults at this point. If, Jacob's, yeah. or if Joseph's 17, Reuben's like 35. Yeah, easily. Has his own yeah. kids, probably. Oh, okay. yeah.
1: And so, uh, but what we found out too is that when Jacob sends Joseph, it's a 50 mile walk to Shechem. <laughs> He gets to Shechem, they're not there. Oh, they're in Dothan. Dothan's another seventeen miles. Yeah. So the example would be like, what's fifty miles away from here? Like, um, go um, check on your brothers in Tampa.
0: Yeah, something like or that. Or Jacksonville. And you walk there. We'll see you in a month. All right. Yeah. And you're just wandering around. Um, <laughs> I do like that. He, he comes upon a man finds him just wandering around in a field. Right. <laughs> it's like there's the no, same. there's no cell like, phones. There's no markers.
1: Like, Like, I'll meet you at the big clock. It's like,
0: where are they? (laughs) You just wander, trying to figure out, like, where would be a good place to, like, have sheep.
1: And he's wearing that darn
0: technicolor coat. (laughs) He's, like, actually wearing the coat.
1: His brothers see him walking, and they're like, oh, no way. (laughs) Why is he here? Which is a great question. We are, like, I don't know, a seven-day walk away of walking
0: yeah, who knows? stop.
1: Like, why are you here? They see him coming, and they, they conspire to kill their brother.
0: And, yeah, so in the... As they're like, let's just kill him. But <laughs> Reuben is, as the oldest, and he's already messed up with his dad. Right. Um, he is kind of starting to wake up a little bit and be like, ooh, maybe we shouldn't... Maybe me going to dad and telling him, oh, we killed your favorite son is yeah. probably not great. So... He's like, well, let's let's throw him in a pit, and we can we can deal with him later. And Reuben's in the back of his mind, like I'll go rescue him and maybe gain some favor with right. Daddy. Yeah, I'll
1: save I'll
0: save his favorite son and maybe get the inheritance. That's right,
1: but it all goes horribly wrong
0: because <laughs> uh, Judah. Now we have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and now the fourth in line, Judah. Yes, Judah's like, let's sell him, you guys. <laughs> let's let's make some money. And so they see some traitors, some Ishmaelite and Midianite traders, right. which are, again, from Abraham. They're from Ishmael. And then uh, Midian, which is from another Ketera. boy of Ketera Abraham. was, yeah,
1: after Sarah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Abraham remarries and makes some more kids. I wonder if they even know, like, these are all cousins. Yeah, probably. I, I don't know. They're I mean, like, oh, cool. Maybe that's good news. You know, at least yeah. we're sending him with some Ishmaelites.
0: Yeah. Oh, you still don't get it. But. Right. So, they end up selling their brother and uh, for, what was it, 20 shekels of silver? 20 pieces of
1: silver. They don't really have, like, like coins, coins or money, so but So, it's it just kind of like
0: the, way, the weight of it. And uh, then Reuben apparently was not part of this deal because he goes to the pit and tries to go rescue Joseph, and he's like, uh-oh, he is not here. Yeah. So, he freaks out. He has a moment of, like, going, what, where am I going to do? What, where am I going to go? And so they all plot and go, all right, let's just grab his coat. We still have, Apparently they kept his coat, because why not? Yeah. Um, and they decide to lie about it, tear it up, make it look like, oh, he was eaten by a wild animal. Right. Send the coat back to their dad. It sounds like they didn't go back with him. They sent someone ahead with the coat to be like, was this your son's?
1: Right. The whole thing is like reminiscent of even Jacob using goat hair. Oh yeah, and it's cooking like the ce- a goat. Yeah, to deceive Isaac. It's like bearing itself its ugly head again to deceive Jacob this time. But there's even a bigger similarity. This would be one of those places where, when you're finding the gospel in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. you see uh, the brother, the the brother carrying the promise. Really, um, being killed by his brothers or sold for pieces of silver. Mm-hmm. And his garment being torn up, right, covered yeah. in blood. Does this sound familiar? What's the Sunday school answer? Jesus. J- Jesus?
0: And so you
1: you kind of see, like, even here, Jesus being betrayed by his brother, told that he's dead. His garment split up. Mm-hmm. But uh, he arises from the pit and will save them at a day of coming judgment. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So is- what... Man meant for evil, God meant I for forget. good. I know that's come coming up in like ten chapters, but you really see um, a for, for kind of a forerunner of Christ in shadowing. Maybe the that's, word you were looking for. That's the word. Cool. Uh, but he definitely was a runner because he went about uh, you know sixty-five miles to find his brothers, only <laughs> to be kind of killed. <laughs> All right. Oh, and so the way we'll end this, because we got to end this to get to our New Testament reading today. Gotcha. We got to get there. And it is, uh, Jacob is not just going to uh, put on garments of sackcloth and mourn for like what is prescribed for a week or even a month. He says, I'm going to mourn
0: this forever. For the rest of my
1: life. Until I go down to Sheol, I'm going to mourn this. And it sounds like, it's like, so it's a little bit ridiculous. It shows... Again, the favoritism, and he's overreacting because he's lost the only son he loves. And so it it only hurts. But those guys, I will say, like, it might hurt their feelings. Like, you only care about Joseph. Right. And you're pretending that he's dead. So we're all pretending and a little bit in our own sin right now. Uh Because they're not even really mourning with their dad. They're like, oh, dad, I'm so sorry. He's dead. Wink, wink.
0: Nudge, nudge. But he's dead to us. And we got some money in our pocket. So where's
1: your stuff? Yeah.
0: All right. All right. That was the Old Testament reading. Uh, What would be
1: the theme? (laughs) It's really all over the map, but it's like we don't profane the promise of God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like we don't use circumcision or the signs of God, and we don't use the people of God, even if it bothers us and even if we're scared. um, We don't use these things for our own gain. We trust the Lord.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. All right. All right.
0: Boom. Let's go
1: to our uh, New Testament reading today.
0: Our New Testament reading is Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through chapter 13, verse
1: 35. Woo! Alright, you're gonna have to forgive me. Uh, I know we've had some listener feedback that our pages turning in the Bible sound like something. I don't want to say what it is, so you think of it. But they but it rhymes with potato chips. Okay. Um, chapter 12. We are in uh, Verse 46. Here we go. What do uh, you
0: got for me, Matt? You're there. Yeah, so um while Jesus is speaking and ministering, uh, he has a visit from his mother and his brothers. Oh
1: yeah, this is so good.
0: And they're they're wanting him to like come out and talk to him and uh in other in other books of the, the gospel it sounds like they kind of want to reprimand him and tell him to uh, cool his jets. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's making too much of a noise in Galilee. (laughs) Cool
1: your jets,
0: Jesus. (laughs) Cool jet Jesus. All right. Those
1: those are words we never said until now.
0: But uh, Jesus has an interesting response.
1: Well, he's causing problems, just like Joseph. He's saying things that uh, are kind of offensive. offensive only because they make you feel guilty or put you mm-hmm. in a position of submission. Like, I don't want to worship you, and you're not better than me. And that's what happens to the righteous. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying things that are giving the, bringing the attention of Pharisees and the Roman government, and they say, cool, you jets, Jesus. And Jesus says something remarkable. He says, who he would, is my mother, and who are my brothers?
0: Yeah. And then he points to everyone at the crowd that's mm-hmm. listening to him and has been following him. And he says, here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother.
1: Yeah. So he's trying to reorient our minds that, you know, when you trust in Christ, you are being adopted into a whole new family. Mm -hmm. Literally you are being adopted into Christ whose father is God. Mm -hmm. And so we have a unity with God through Jesus Christ. And so it supersedes it is over and above even mother and father yeah and he's brother and
0: sister re-establishing a new kingdom
1: and that goes back to where he says i came to bring i didn't come to bring peace always it's a not i came to bring a sword mm-hmm. and so that's a hard one for a lot of people to swallow but it is true
0: yeah all right boom and then in chapter 13 we start to get uh jesus's famous parables the way he would most often speak to crowds.
1: Yeah, and you know, there's about 55 parables, and I made note, I was reading this, about um, the parables, how they are a, um, here it is, an imaginary story that illustrates a spiritual truth. Hmm. Yeah, it's like, so Jesus is using kind of imaginary... Like fictional stories. ...situations with real things to make a spiritual truth. And it's... um, to do that, you have to have more than knowledge. You kind of have to have an interpretation. So he's interpreting knowledge about God and about what's happening. And he's applying it in these imaginary situations. And if you can get it, it becomes wisdom, mm. right? It's yeah. like a total wisdom. It's And wisdom is like the application of knowledge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's beyond. So people who are just have knowledge can't really get it right? because uh, they have no faith to hear the application of the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so that's just helpful as we uh, go into these parables. and the first one
0: is uh, the parable of the sower and so he's he's talking to uh, and he's talking to a bunch of people, but it is as he's he's kind of it's for his disciples really, mm-hmm. as they go out and preach the word and spread the word. It's like casting seed out, and you're not always going to see growth from it. Or you'll see quick growth and it'll quickly die. And so we have – but the growth that you will see, you'll see a lot of it when it does hit.
1: Yes. It's – like a lot of times we read this and we take it personally because it says, oh, some fell on the um, on the path and they were taken up by birds. Some fell on the um, rocky ground and, and right. then it sprang up but it had no depth and it was – Scorched. and The other one had, what was the other one? Thorns. Thorns. It grew up, but then it got choked. And then some fell on good and produced yeah. one
0: hundred sixty thirty. And so instantly we're trying to figure out, wait, what kind of ground are we?
1: Yeah, well, what kind of ground am I? Am I this kind of ground? And, and again, let, let me explain this as quickly as I can. If you care what kind of soil you are,
0: you're the good one. You're the good soil
1: and because he explains it. I'm going to jump ahead in the chapter, but he explains the parable of the sower to them because they're like he does. He has the section where Jesus says, here's the point of the parable, right? It's hidden from stiff necked people who want to use the law to execute everybody. They don't get it. Mm -hmm. So those who have ears, let them hear. And he quotes Isaiah. And so he tells. So then the the disciples, of course, are like most of us. I don't want to miss it. What does it mean? And he says, here's what it means is that when you scatter the seed of the gospel, when you preach the word to somebody, sometimes it's like on a path, Satan comes and takes it away. Right. When, sometimes people are really happy to hear it, and we hear this a lot. I hear this a lot. As a pastor, you see people respond with joy, and they're like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be there every day. Uh, and then something happens. It, the like, sun, there's no roots to it, and the sun scorches it, and it withers.
0: Yeah, within Okay. Week.
1: <laughs> and Jesus saying, don't be frustrated. This happens. Yeah. Then the other one is thorny ground. It's like they hear it and they start to grow, but then they get choked out by the weeds and the concerns of this world. So mm-hmm. pe- some people are like, oh, I just care too much about other things." Right. Jesus says, "Don't get frustrated. These are our, like three basic responses. You're going to scatter a lot of seed, but the seed that will take will produce fruit, and you'll be able to see that." So mm-hmm. don't be discouraged keep preaching the gospel, keep witnessing, keep telling people about Jesus, and let God figure out the soil. Right. And that is a big relief to us. So it's not like, what kind of soil are you? Mm -hmm. No, you've made it. If you care about telling people about Jesus, you care about proclaiming God's word, you care about the word, your little plant is already producing fruit, Mm. (laughs) which is a great relief because I remember being in church trying to figure out which one I am, and going, well, I, and, you know, eventually you get to, I'm all of these, so I might not be saved. <laughs> not the point
0: at all. Right. And th- um, he discusses the purpose of the parables, and it, and it's um, fulfilling prophecies from the Old Testament. And one of the things I was working through and praying about was, like, wait, is God just trying to trick people or, like, keep them from understanding the gospel? But the thing I'm coming to is, When people do understand what Jesus is saying, Mm -hmm. it's clearly a work of God and not a work of man. Like I wasn't smart enough and clever enough to figure out what Jesus was saying. It's no, I was able to through the Holy Spirit understand these words. Right,
1: and I love uh, how Jesus it confuses people because he uses things like weeds, like scattering seed, like mustard seeds, leaven, very basic things. And we want to make everything about God really far away from the mundane. Mm -hmm. Like it's really hard to understand. And Jesus says, No, it's actually all around us. And I can show you how accessible it is to those of you who come to me as children. Yeah. And not try to overthink it and not try to bring all these things to it. So he uses the parable of the weeds. Now, this is beautiful because, like,
0: this reminds me of
1: um, church almost. Like, now you have a nice plot of land. Everybody there, it receives the word of God, and the grain is growing up. But then the enemy comes, and he sows weeds among the grain. Mm-hmm. And then the servants are like, what do we do? And God, Jesus says, look, have patience. Mm-hmm. Let it all grow up. If we go out and try to pull up all the weeds now, we'll damage the wheat.
0: All we'll right. pull
1: up some of the wheat, and we don't want to lose any of the wheat. So let it all grow up together. And then when we harvest, at the harvest time, when you're pulling everything up anyway, you make a pile one yeah. pile of weeds one pile of wheat you burn all the weeds it's gone and you keep the wheat and he says this is um this is how it goes right so those who have years
0: yeah i mean it's kind of a comforting uh explanation on like why there's like evil people and good people like god is he's like if i got rid of the evil people too early we'd end up losing out on some good people right. like uh, children of the promise. So we let them all grow up together.
1: I also like it because it gives, again, if we're in the context of people um, wanting to share the gospel, we are not responsible. We don't have to go through and make sure everybody's good wheat. and right. We don't have to do that. God is patient. God will figure that He'll out. He'll do the judgment. We just keep doing what's in front of us. And then the two last parables are the mustard seed and leaven. Which again are two things that are small and unnoticeable, that over time, uh, the leaven right. will produce, will, it's a secret agent, you know? Uh-huh. And that your faith, what does he say? The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in a field, and then sooner or later it becomes a giant tree where birds are resting, it's providing shade. And that's how the kingdom of God is going to grow. It starts in simple, small, little people like us, in our hearts, yeah. in our minds, through our mouths. It spreads. And even 2,000 years later, the church is still around. This little mustard seed cannot be killed. It's thriving. This little piece of leaven has done something much greater than itself.
0: I mean, it's what we're seeing with Abraham.
1: Right. He starts
0: off as a It's a barren couple. couple and now in the story, they're already there's nations <laughs> being exactly. made after this couple. So that was our New Testament reading. New Testament.
1: God's going to finish what he starts. His kingdom of heaven is already uh, arriving on earth uh, through the gospel. And one day it'll be uh, it'll overwhelm the whole earth. That's our hope. Well, those are the readings for day 17 and 18. I know, we got some psalms here, some beautiful psalms.
0: We'll end up with Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance the wicked hotly pursue the poor... Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. The helpless are crushed and sink down, and fall by the wicked's might. The wicked say in their heart, God has forgotten, he has hidden his face, and he will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To to you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart, and you will incline their ear. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. See
1: you next time.